Well, I'm glad Monica's here because uh, these readings contained one of the most cinematographic, potentially done scenes in the entire Bible. Okay, so um, of our passages here, uh, two of them are clearly about commitment, total commitment. The other one is, uh, is also, I think, about commitment, but um, comes from a, a very different perspective. So let's start with Elijah and Elisha. And by the way, uh, Biola students, or you who are about to be Biola students, if you are ever hit in a quiz with who came first, <laughs> just do it alphabetically. Elijah and then Elisha. <laughs> so, um, in the passage from 2 Kings, Elisha just will not be turned away from his, uh, his mentor, um, Elijah, did I get that right? I always say them wrong. Anyway, Elisha will not be turned away. Uh, three times, Elijah says to Elisha, stay here. Don't follow me anymore. Don't go with me any further. Two times, the sons of the prophets say, um, you sure you really want to go forward? Don't you know that your, uh, your master is going to be taking, taken from you? And each time Elisha says, I'm going on. He says to Elijah, I'm going with you. I will not stay. He says to the sons of the prophets, be quiet, I'm going with him. So, uh, so finally, um, Elijah, Elisha, and the sons of the prophets come to the Jordan, and uh, Elijah takes his cloak, rolls it up, slaps it against the water, the waters part, and Elijah and Elisha go across. And once they're on the other side, Elijah turns to his, his friend, his follower, and says, uh, well, you have followed me to the end. What can I do for you? And Elisha says, I want a double portion of your spirit. Whew. That's quite a request. And Elijah says, well, that's, um, that's a hard thing. But if you see me when God takes me up, it'll be granted to you. And they continue walking along, and all of a sudden, seemingly out of nowhere, chariots and horses of fire come racing down the, the road towards them, separate the two of them, and then, as they are momentarily separated by these burning chariots and horses of fire, a whirlwind or a tornado picks Elisha up and carries him off to heaven. And Elisha says, my father, my father, 
the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. Um, this, of course, you know, this, this should have been a Cecil D. B. DeMiles, yeah, kind of thing, because it's just, uh, just amazing, right? It's just far beyond what, uh, I mean, I've never seen anything like that. Um, we, we were even, we were told we were in a tornado at one time, but uh, um, didn't see Elijah go swishing by or anything. Uh, but Elisha it is totally committed to following Elijah. He's totally committed in his um, determination to go with Elijah all the way. And as such, he's rewarded. In Luke, we see um, Jesus. And here's another picture of total commitment. Because his face is set towards Jerusalem. And he knows what's coming. Crucifixion is coming. Death is coming. But his face is set towards Jerusalem. The Samaritans, when they see his face is set towards Jerusalem, won't give him hospitality. Um, he doesn't turn around, he just continues. And then we see three pictures of less than full commitment. Um, the first is, uh, well, we see, um, we see one who's turned aside because uh, he won't have a place to sleep every night. And having just been uh, denied hospitality by the Samaritans, this is certainly clearly at the front of Jesus's mind. Um, and he recognizes in this potential follower that he's really not all that committed. He, uh, you know, he wants his box springs and mattress at night. Um, so he says, the, uh, the birds have nests, foxes have holes, but the Son of Man doesn't have a place to lay his head. Then we have uh, two who don't follow because they, uh, you know, there are just uh, duties they have towards home and family. Um, one would like to follow him, but he needs to go and, and bury his father. The, uh, the Jewish burial practices at that time were rather extensive. Um, the body was interned, the flesh was allowed to rot, and then the bones were placed in an ossuary. Process took something like a year on average. Well, at this point, if he came back to follow Jesus after a year, it would have been a real different situation, wouldn't it? Um, the, uh, 
the other one wants to go and say goodbye to his family. Now, you know, Jesus says, if you put your hand to the plow and then look back, you're not worthy. As I understand it, I've never had to do this myself, so I can't vouch for it, but I'm told that if you are using a, uh, a wooden plow being pulled by a oxen or mule or something like that, you, you have to keep your eye on the end of the furrow where you want it to be. And if you are, you know, looking around, oh, that's a pretty bird. Uh, your furrow is going to go like this. It's not going to go straight. So these are some examples of less than total commitment. Contrasted, of course, with Jesus' commitment, his face set towards Jerusalem, knowing that crucifixion was coming. Question comes up then, uh, what about us? What does total commitment look like for us? I mean, we don't use wooden plows much these days. Um, crematorium or uh, funeral parlor takes care of burial details. Um, Motel 6 is always available. So what about us? Um, Galatians 1.5, we have Paul saying, for freedom Christ has set us free. Therefore, don't submit to a yoke of slavery. Now the freedom that Paul is talking here is the freedom in Christ and that we are not under the Mosaic law. The Mosaic law has been fulfilled by Christ's death, by his resurrection. So then, if we take up the Mosaic law again, um, with all its regulations, thinking that somehow we can uh, be more sure of our salvation by, by being good people under the Mosaic law, we are just totally mistaken. That's not how it works anymore. Um, so don't submit to a yoke of slavery. Now, honestly, uh, not, I don't know of anybody who, um, around here, who is saying, gosh, if only I could be under the Mosaic Law again. Um, I don't know of anybody here who is wanting to take up that thing again. Yet, we do like rules. The great thing about rules, no matter whose they are, is that they tell you if you're being good or not, if you're 
making it. If you're, you know, if, if I do these things, cool. I, I know that I'm being a good Christian. Okay. But, um, Salvation is uh, not something of works, right? In uh, Adam Johnson's terms last week, there's not a hard connection between salvation and works. You're not saved by works. We're saved by Christ's sacrifice. And... So what, what, rules, what rules can we live by now? Uh, well, in the rest of this passage from Galatians 13 on through verse 25, Galatians, uh, excuse me, 5, 13 through 25. In the rest of this passage, we're given um, two rules to live by that really devolve down to one rule. Okay, and it's really complicated. Okay. Live by the Spirit. Don't do the works of the flesh. And the way it devolves down to one rule is, if you live by the Spirit, you won't do the works of the flesh. So just live by the Spirit. Right? Uh... So what this means then is that uh, we totally reject or crucify any movement of our heart towards the work of, works of the flesh to save us, to make us good people. Um, and we humans like rules. We like to know that, yeah, I'm doing right. Who? All right. Yes. I haven't broken any rules today. I've done them all. Who? Um, but we actually are crucifying any movement of our heart towards the works of the flesh. And with the uh, the Holy Spirit's help, we seek to grow the fruits of the Spirit. The, uh, last week, if you remember, um, Adam talked about a, uh, that in good works, there is not a hard connection between salvation and doing good works. It's only a soft connection, right? And, uh, and that's true. And I'm sure you all know um, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And of course, verse 10, which too many people leave off, <laughs> which says that God created us 
God's made us to do good works, and he's prepared them ahead of time for us to do. Okay, now there's the soft connection that Adam was talking about. We do them to bring honor and glory to God, to show God's grace and glory to people around us. And what kind of works might these be? Well, they might be uh, a couple of adult men and a bunch of young adult men and at least one adult, semi-young adult woman going to uh, some old people's house, ripping out a termite-eaten fence and putting up a brand new one, a strong one, not because they were getting paid for it, but just because God loved them and they loved us. Didn't get any of them to heaven. Not a one of them. But it was one of the good works that God had prepared for them to do. Okay? Kind of cool, huh? We certainly enjoyed it. We appreciate it deeply. <laughs> um, we're told to, uh, to utterly reject the word is crucify, but it's utterly reject any movement of our heart towards um, the works of the flesh. Now, the works of the flesh, what are they? Oh, they're really nasty things, right? Um, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. That's the works of the flesh. So we don't participate in them. And when we find them, uh, find ourselves attracted to them, we stomp down hard. Um, instead, we look to the Spirit, we ask the Lord to uh, help us to develop the graces of the Holy Spirit. And what are they? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Good stuff. Even those doing those in our own strength does not get us to heaven. Faith in Christ gets us to heaven. This is the outworking of the growth in us of the Holy Spirit taking care, taking control of our hearts, our minds, more and more and more. Uh, so think of your life or even your body as a vine or a vineyard because uh, 
One, this is a picture that's in the Bible a lot. And two, because there's a lot of vineyards around here. And if you can't find a vineyard around here, go up into the valley. And there's just a bajillion of them all over the place. Um, so think of your life as a, as a vineyard. So the works of the flesh, powered by Satan, fully incorporated into the, uh, the world system, these are noxious weeds and, uh, and insects that are just going to swallow the vineyard, eat it up, tear it down, ruin its fruit, kill the vine, turning any possible fruit into bitterness, poison, and death. So, when you see any tendency in your heart towards the works of the flesh, you know, you want to take your shovel, your hoe, into your spirit and just rip those suckers out. Right? Just be ruthless. Tear them out. Deal strongly with them. Um, they're actually trying to kill you. Uh, and staying with the analogy, you fertilize your vineyard by uh, meditation on the scripture with spiritual songs and hymns, with participation in meeting and fellowship with other like-minded folks, that, that is, other believers, like we're all doing right now. And we pray for God's will to be done in our life. Every time we get the chance, every time we know there's a difference, we obey the Spirit. We go in the direction he leads us. We cooperate with him. We listen for that still small voice. We do those uh, soft connection works, right? Where we can do good things for other people, where we can bless them in a small way as God has blessed us. So then, when you see the fruits of the Spirit showing up in your own life or in your friend's life, rejoice. Praise God for his work in you or in your friend. And uh, there's a special prayer you can pray when you see those good works coming forth out of your friend's life or out of your life. It's real technical. You ready for it? Here it is. More, Lord. More. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.